Welcome to the geek to geek podcast where I am not a morning person and we're recording in the morning, but we're going to make it work. I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host Beige. And I am a morning por- per- person. Apparently I'm not. My tongue is not a morning person, but I am. <laughs> and today we're talking about backlog. Um, this is actually our first kind of reader requested reader listener requested i'm not a morning person guys this is our first listener requested episode i mentioned that i made it through my backlog of like games and media over the past year and a half two years something like that and i had a couple different people write in asking for us to talk about it and how i actually did it so today we're going to talk about that a little bit and kind of my system i mean the the biggest thing about it is that I found this was a couple years ago, and I think this is where you're at right now, Beige. That right. there was so much media I wanted to consume. So games, movies, TV shows, books, you know, audiobooks, podcasts, everything. Whenever I was doing something, even if I was having fun with it, I felt like there was this huge, like, psychic weight of my backlog that there could be something I might be having more fun with. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm kind of like that, too, where if I'm not having enough fun with something, that that there's so much there that I get weighed down. It's like, I should be enjoying something, but I can't figure out what's the most fun I can have in this very moment. And then I just get like, but there's so much stuff. I just get intimidated by it. Yes. Okay. So that's exactly where I was. So what I figured out, and this was through a lot of trial and error, but the unknown is the scariest part of it because it's kind of like I had this nebulous idea of like, oh, there's all these shows I want to check out, you know, a couple of them floating at the top of my mind, but I knew that there were probably like 50 other ones that I was just had waiting. I knew that my Steam game library had two, 300 games in it that I hadn't touched that I had probably picked up as part of a bundle for $5 here and there, or I picked up for like 99 cents when they were on sale, but literally Uh hundreds of games. And it was just like, it, it just weighed down on me when I was trying to enjoy other things. I'm, I, you're right. I'm exactly in that, in that position right now where when I see a new game, I'll constantly add it. I'll see Humble Bundles or I'll see, see Steam sales and then I will buy it. I'm like, oh, that's a really good deal. And then I'll download it and I'll install it and I look at it and it's like, but I haven't finished this other one. And it's like, well, I'll, I'll finish this one that I'm on. And then I never go back to the one that I just bought and was so excited about. Yeah. And it's so easy when you have like humble bundles or, you know, Steam sale. I think there was one time I picked up like all the Star Wars games that were available on Steam. And it was like yep. $5 to get 25 or 30 games. But it's just like, boom, you just added that many to your backlog all in one go. Yep. You know, that was actually why I didn't get it. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I saw one that that did exactly that, and I didn't get it because I knew that I was not going to get back through those games and figured that I would be able to, I just wouldn't clutter it up that much, even though I wanted them. That was the biggest problem, was having this, like, psychic weight of a backlog for everything, you know, books and comics and, like, movies, everything all together. Well, what I noticed was that I was wasting a lot of time trying to figure out what I wanted to do because I would have time at night. My kids would finally be asleep. I would be done with work. I would sit down to do something fun. And then there would be so many options that I would spend my time looking at the options without actually doing something. That is pretty much where I am at any given time. 
I know I'd mentioned this earlier to you that there have been entire nights where I have the night open to myself. I, you know, Jennifer has a program at work and I'm just chilling at home by myself. And I'm like, I'm going to watch something on TV. That's great. I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to sit down and have two hours just to myself and just chill out and relax. So I open up Netflix and I end up scrolling through every recommendation that's on there that I look through every single, you know, every slider back and forth and click in, see who's in it, add a couple of things to my list, but nothing grabs my attention. So I switch to Hulu and I do the exact same thing. I may watch a movie trailer or something, but I look at all the movies and TV shows and nothing catches my attention. Then I go to Amazon Prime and look through what was recently added and what was recommended and all of this and similar items. And still, I am not seeing anything that's just like, oh, nothing really makes me want to spend my evening doing that and before I know it I've gone back and forth between the three uh, pieces of software maybe two times each just kind of looking through and then two hours have passed I've done nothing but browse and my evening's over it's time to go to bed so I can get up and go to work the next day it's I've completely wasted the time that I was going to be spending doing something fun by doing the absolute most menial thing I could do which is just looking at box art and movie posters just to see what's out there because I can't decide and I'm so indecisive. Right. You're you're gauging all of this potential fun that you could have, but in the process yep. of just doing that for your whole night, you're not actually having fun. Yeah, I'll be looking, I'll see, you know, that there is, you know, Daredevil season one or the Flash season one that I could watch, but there's always in the back of my mind. But there's probably something that I would enjoy a little more than that right now. And so I just keep searching for it. It's the grass is always greener. Or, or whatever, however you want to put it, that, that there's always has to be something better. Yes, and I felt that too. So it was this big weight of like all the things that could be better that I could be doing out there was preventing me from having fun with the things in front of me or, you know, preventing me from actually just picking something and doing it that night. So I decided to stop wasting time trying to figure out what I wanted to do. That's kind of what the start of the system that I came up with that actually let me get through my whole backlog. So it was kind of, you know, it's it's my system for free time and like all the backlog of media, but it kind of catches everything I can do when I'm not working. So right, the main part of it is to list out every single thing that you are interested in doing. And it sounds intimidating because... <laughs> When you when you sit down and list out everything, you are going to see so many things on there. Like when I sat down and made my list, I just started writing things and I quickly realized that I needed categories because, like I said, I had two or three hundred Steam games that I needed to try. You know, I had 50 plus TV shows that I wanted to check out or seasons that I needed to get back to things like that. I had so many movies, you know, like 50, 100 movies. You know, I had audiobooks. I had books that had been sitting on my Kindle forever. Like I listed it out and, you know, I wouldn't say there were a thousand items on my to do list, but there were hundreds and hundreds. Are, right. are you kind of in that position if you were to list it out? If I were to list it out, it would be incredibly scary for the amount of things that I would be listing out. I, I always joke around that I'm terribly existential when it comes to there are so many books and movies that even if I sat down and did nothing else for that for the rest of my life, that I would never get through everything I wanted to by the time I died. And then I get into a really like weird, anxious, depressive, just ennui state where it sounds really do it sounds really terrible to say that. That. But that, that's kind of the way I feel where it's like, oh, man, I'm going to die one day and there's going to be things I didn't play or read or see. And 
so yeah, I get intimidated just at the idea of listing it out and seeing it and then not getting through it. I'm scared of not even getting through the list that I make myself what I've prioritized out, if that makes sense. It does. I, could, I felt the exact same way. So you you are not far off from where I was. I think we were pretty much in the same place. So listing it out sounds scary, but what actually happens is that you get rid of this big fear of the unknown that big nebulous like unknown weight of your backlog that was always on me suddenly i didn't have to have that because i didn't mentally have to carry any of it because it was down on a list i started this i just wrote it on like a notepad list and i quickly realized okay, okay that's not gonna work that's not enough <laughs> so i went and i grabbed um wonderlist because i use wonderlist to keep track of work you know client work and projects that i'm doing anyway so i created right. a new folder in wonderlist and it basically was just free time and then i created a couple different sub lists under there because i had so many items I decided to do my list. I mean, you could do this anyway. You know, you can modify my system to work for you. But I basically did my list by like style of media consumption. So I had games as one of my categories that kind of caught board games and video games. I had reading. So reading was like Kindle. It might also be like long essays or articles I want to get back to on the Internet. And I put Makes sense. audible things in there, too. So all of my audiobooks went into reading, even though technically I'm listening to them. I had shows and movies. So it was like every TV show, every movie I wanted to check out. And even some of like the longer YouTube videos that I had been wanting to get back to. You know, there are mm -hmm. YouTube videos out there that are an hour or two hours like that I just never had time for. But I wanted to watch them. And then I put what is the go ahead. What's the cutoff for you on that? When you say longer YouTube videos, because for me, I'm one of those people who I see a 10 minute YouTube video and I'm like, oh, I can't give 10 minutes to this right now. No. And just add it to a queue to watch later or that I rarely get back to is it do, do you consider those and I know this is this is this is different for uh, everybody but do you consider 10 minutes to be long or you just power through it while you're working or something on the side uh no it's about three minutes three minutes is about the length I'm willing to give something kind of off the cuff while I'm doing other things if it's longer than three minutes it's going to go into the queue and get watched later or I'm going to okay. forget about it because most videos don't need to be that long and if it's that long no and someone put that much effort into it and it's worth my time, it's probably worth my time to sit down and enjoy it, you know? Rather than just having it play off to the side. Yeah, exactly. It, and that's subjective, you know? Some people, a 10-minute right. YouTube video is nothing. Some people, a 45-minute yep. YouTube video is nothing. Like, that's going to depend on the person. But, like, that, because I had the cutoff, you know, probably anything over three minutes that I wanted to get back to, that kind of got into my queue also for shows and movies. And then yeah. I also had side projects. So that was things that require some effort. Because everything else is kind of like, you know, you're enjoying your free time, you're sitting back, you're consuming media. But side projects are things that take energy or are somewhat work-like, but they're not actually work. So, like, making a podcast was on there for a long time, you know, until we started. Okay. That was in my side projects. That was going to be one of my questions here is because one of my issues with free time that I run into is I have all of this backlog of entertainment that I want to do. I want to read all the Brandon Sanderson books that I've missed. I want to, you know, catch up, honestly, on my Runner's World magazines that I haven't read in a couple of months. All of this stuff that I want to do, the movies I want to watch, Daredevil, all of this. And then I have projects that I want to work 
work on that are like finishing out apps I want as I'm learning Ruby on Rails and projects like editing and writing another novel where I feel like I am in direct competition with either watching a movie or writing a novel because I have a finite amount of free time and I feel bad for working on watching Daredevil season two, let's say right now for me, season one, and working on using the two hours I have free to actually draft a couple of chapters in my next book that would be productive and eventually earn me even more free time in the long run. So I would have a hard time balancing those out. So with projects like that, like this, I guess what we're doing right now, you added those to the list and just went down. And when it hit, you know, when it hit the top of the list, you're like, I'm going to start a podcast. Yay. Yeah. So we'll talk about sorting through the list here in a second. But what you are saying about actually categorizing things, yes, they are in direct competition for your free time. Once I realized that and I pulled my side projects list, it, it used to be with like my work list. And I realized okay. that's not where it belongs. My side project list belongs in my free time list because it's not work, even though they're work like. So this is where yeah. like all my tutorials went. Anytime I wanted to learn a new like coding language or, you know, when I wanted to make a podcast or things like that, you know, any of the productive things that actually take your energy, but they're not actually work, they go in your free yep. time list, even though the other things in your free time list seem so different because they're media, it's still indirect competition for that same amount of time. Once I move the side yeah. projects into this kind of big folder with all of my other free time lists, it made a lot more sense. That does. Okay. And then the the last one that I had was a catch-all. And generally the catch-all would be like off the cuff if i couldn't think of where something went it goes in the catch-all and eventually i realize that oh hey this actually goes into one of the other lists but occasionally something will stay there something that doesn't quite fit into one of these it's nice to just have a place to put it but there were rarely any items on the catch-all list i I was gonna ask what do you have in there like what is something that you would put in a catch-all list because maybe i'm maybe i'm limited in my way of of thinking but i I can't imagine anything other than like staring at my funkos for two hours as uh, being in the catch-all list so right now i just clicked over and looked since you were asking the question um of course catch-all list has one thing in it right now i it is look at the adobe creative cloud ipad apps so it's not really it's not really a side project because there's nothing i'm trying to accomplish there but it's something that could lead to side projects it could lead to a new workflow for my actual like work that i do day to day um right but it's definitely not consuming media it's I need to sit down. I want to download every Adobe Creative Cloud iPad app, link them all up to my Creative Cloud account for Adobe, and try them out and see if there's anything there that I can use. That's the only thing okay. on my catch-all list right now. And this may be this may be something that you edit out. Uh, did you put your mattress shopping on your on your free time stuff? Because with all of the messages that I got from you about learning about mattresses and box springs and platform beds, as much time as you spent doing that, was that on your list? Because that's the kind of thing that you have to do. Uh, that I know that I do, we're looking at patio furniture and things like that and l- landscaping and figuring out how we want to do the new flower beds at our new house. And that those kinds of things take up time as well. Do you put the adulting things that you have to do on there? Um, or is it solely, uh, honestly, projects that you want to do or entertainment? So it depends. I, I'm glad you asked. The <laughs> The mattress shopping that I was doing yesterday, okay, no one tells you when you're going to be an adult that sometimes being an adult (laughs) means that you're going to spend the majority of a day researching box springs and modern bed configurations, and (laughs) no one tells you. No one tells you. If it's something that you're just doing, 
um, off the cuff. So like all of that, I got sidetracked yesterday, but we got it done. It wasn't something that was going to linger. It wasn't something that like needed multiple days. I didn't need to get back to it. So I never put it on a list. If it was something that I said, you know, I really need to look for mattresses soon, that might go in my catch-all if I wasn't going to do it right away. Like if I knew I needed to do it, but it was maybe a couple weeks out or a month out, I might throw that in my catch-all for free time because it's something that needs to get done. Does that make sense? It's kind of... Yeah, it does. It's kind of how urgent it is or it's more if you need to come back to it, right? So like if I find a YouTube video throughout the day and I have 10 minutes and I'm going to watch it, like I'm not going to put it on a list because I'm going to watch it right then. It's These lists are for things that when they occur to you, you're going to do them later. That's kind of how I use them. Oh, we should talk about games. We should talk about the games list for a second because I know you had a question about this. You were wondering about like evergreen games and MMO games. Like how do you do these games that never end, right? Was that your question? Yeah, that was one of the things that that I end up running into a lot is when I'm looking at it, I end up having, you know, I want to play Rift and I want to play, let's say, World of Warcraft. And right now I'm running out of things I want to play. Star Wars The Old Republic. And it's like, I could either subscribe to this and have all of this time that I'm investing in this game and building up a character, or I can spend my time working through a narrative and buying new games and trying all sorts of different things. And I just kind of run into the, if I'm playing an evergreen game and I'm playing an MMO, my backlog keeps filling up that even though I'm working on things I want to for it, I still, and I'm using my free time well, I'm still building that backlog and never working through it, which actually is how my backlog came to be the way it is now, was by playing MMOs and just investing in a single project or a single game or piece of media at the same time. So those evergreen games and those MMOs, those are things that they don't ever have an ending if you don't want them to. So those... It took me a while to figure out how to do those. For me, it was Hearthstone, but it's the same Uh, idea. Because Hearthstone, you could sit there and play Hearthstone, you know, card game after card game online forever. Like, it's not going to make you stop. There's no end. You know, there's no there's no final goal that you go, okay, I beat the game. I can move on like a single player game. So what I found is that you need to actually list goals that you need to hit in those games. And when you do that, you can check it off your list or remove it from your list. Okay. So for Hearthstone, for me, it was like I wanted to make sure that I played my daily quest every single day and got all of the gold out of it because a new expansion was coming out and I wanted the in-game gold for that. So every day, you know, do my little daily quest and then, okay, I'm going to move on to the next thing. But an MMO, it could be the same thing. You could be, you know, do your daily quest every day or it could be log in once a week and spend one night a week doing the MMO for one month. But you need to set kind of like uh, an ending so that you can check it off and then either re-add a new goal to the list or be like, okay, that's a good spot to stop. So with MMOs, you know, it might be play every day this month or play once every week this month. But you need to make sure there's a way that you can check that off your list in the not too far future. That makes a lot of sense because I end up, even if I hit something in Hearthstone, let's say, I ended up having to delete to delete it off of my phone and my computer crashed so it's no longer on my primary desktop because I would just spend more time in it. I would get my dailies done and then I would just grind out the three wins over and over again and just work on ranking and things like that. And while it was fun, I never felt there was much of a sense of progress in my mind that I was doing it because it was fun. I know it sounds weird. I'm doing, oh, just because it was fun, but I was dumping an inordinate amount of time in it after I hit my goal for the day that I wanted to get my dailies done, but then I just kept on playing. And that's when I realized I had to delete it off of my phone. 
Yeah, and you can always change your goal, right? But it's it's important to have something that you can check off that list because it feels really good to check things off the list once you have it all written down. It does. So for Hearthstone, for me, one month, it was do all the daily quests every day, which, you know, I jump in, do the daily quests, and then do something else. Then the next month, I was like, this wasn't quite enough Hearthstone for me. I'm going to set a different goal. So the next month, right. I set a goal of get to rank 15 in ranked play. Okay. So, you know, I dove in a couple nights and just played and played and played. And then when I got to rank 15, I was like, oh, okay, that's done. Check it off the list. Right. So you get your list established, right? That was the first thing. Get all of that big unknown, the psychic, you know, weight of the unknown giant backlog. Get it all down into a list. You might have hundreds and hundreds of items. That's okay. Sublists help. After that, I found the important thing was to sample everything. So before I ever finished anything... I went through and I sampled literally everything in my backlog. Maybe oh, not wow. so much for like movies and and books were a little different, but all of my games, all of the TV shows especially, I went through and I sampled. So, I gave every single game in my Steam catalog 30 minutes of my time. And at 30 minutes, like if you've played video games for more than a couple years, like y- you can get a feel for a game in 30 minutes. It's not unreasonable. And yeah. I was amazed that I get to 30 minutes, my timer would go off, and then I'd play to the next whatever the logical pausing point was of basically. Course. Yeah. And then I'd sit back and I think, okay, did I see everything I need to see of this game? Is there more here? Do I want to spend my precious free time digging into this more? Or have I kind of seen what it has to offer? And it's not really anything I haven't seen before. And most of them were that. Most of them were, I can play for 30 minutes. I see what it has to offer. This is like XYZ that I've played before. I think I've got my fill. I check it off the list. That makes makes a lot of sense because... The phenomenal games are the ones I want to finish out. I tend to get bored very quickly with a lot of games. And honestly, after 30 minutes, I may not even make it to 30 minutes with a lot of the games that I play these days on Steam or Humble Bundle. And then there's some that I plow through and, you know, I'm still playing and looking at on my list and just booting it up to play for a while. Yeah, some of them from those Humble Bundles and Steam Sale Bundles, like I would play for 10 minutes and know exactly what the game had to offer and I would be done with it. And then you delete it. Just delete it permanently from your hard drive. If you're checking it off the list, you don't need it there. It's just going to be in your field of view when you go to look at games next time. And that's annoying. Just get rid of it. And that's a good, that is a really good idea that I have not done that I'm going to start when I have, I keep them installed. And when I really, truly realize I'm never playing it again, I delete the local content from Steam. And that makes it so much easier for me just to look at it like, I have to wait on that to download again. I'm not going to bother with that right now. I'm going to go do this instead, where it was fun enough, but not not it was fun enough to do but it wasn't fun enough to worry about if that makes any kind of sense yeah it does and you know i keep my evergreen games installed the ones that i go back to occasionally that i always kind of want access to everything else once i finish it once i check it off i delete the local content delete the game and then i steam supports folders so i actually Mm -hmm. made a folder that's just called games i'm done with and I put it into that folder and I keep that folder minimized so I don't have to see it every time I log into Steam. Oh, I have to figure that out. I've never done that. That would make my life so much easier. Yeah, it's easy. You just like right click on a game in your list and there's a category option. You can drop it into a folder or a category. I feel kind of stupid now because I didn't even realize that was a thing. And I'm like, oh, OK, that that would that makes it organizing my massive backlog. Honestly, a lot easier. So, yay. Thanks, boys. <laughs> so I did that for games and then. 
for shows, I would sample all of the pilots. So I sample the pilot, and usually at the end of a pilot, you can tell if the show is not for you. A lot of the time, you would do the pilot, or I wouldn't even have to finish the pilot, and I would know okay, this is not a show for me. Check it off the list. Like, just get Mm -hmm. rid of them. Sometimes I would hit a show and I'd be like, oh, this has potential. I like the premise. I like the characters, but it's not there yet. Those shows, I might try a couple episodes and give it a shot. And then if I was still unsure, that's okay. You leave it on the list, you move on. So that's the main thing is if you go through and you sample as much media as you can, you are quickly going to get rid of like three quarters of your list. You would be surprised how fast it goes. Just by stuff that you don't want to spend your time on, that the concept's great, but the execution is not very uh, not very interesting. Yes, exactly. So you go through, like, I, I would just have pilot nights. I would sit down and I would watch pilots for TV shows for an entire night, you know, like a four or five hour block after my kids went to bed. It would just, you know, I'd be checking things off the list left and right. <laughs> and if you find something that you like, it stays on the list for later. So yeah. go through, sample everything you can sample, and you can clear out probably 50%, maybe 75% of your list. That was it for me. I got rid of like three quarters of my list of wow. things just by sampling Steam games and sampling TV shows. Does that, is... does that surprise you, the amount? It does. It, it really does because I'm such a completionist that the idea of it honestly hurts me a little. Of just like, but you're never going to experience those. What if they get better, Void? What if they get better? How much time are you wasting, though, to get to that? That is a very good... Like all of it. (laughs) That's my problem. Before I did this system, I was a completionist too. I was in the exact same spot. I had to learn how to sample something, realize that it is not worth my time because look at all of these other things on my list that are probably better and then just check it off and remove it forever. And I became okay with that. I think having every single thing listed out really helps that because instead of going, Oh, what if it gets better? Maybe I'll stay with it. I, you know, you actually have it concrete written down all the other things you could be doing. And you know yeah. that there's so much more potential. And there, my dad was like this, uh, was was like you in that regard. Um, I was, I've always been a completionist. If I start something, I want to finish it at least through the season or the book or something like that. I may not watch seasons five through ten, but if I get through, if I start season five, then I'm going to finish it. My dad was was not like that. If he hated something, he was not going to finish it at all. And th- he he passed away in 2012, and he had had. Uh, I think uh, 12 years of heart problems. So, uh, so he knew that, 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 you know, that honestly that his time was limited and it was sad, but I kept bringing him book recommendations and I would bring him books and he would read them or comics or, uh, or movies or TV series and stuff like that. And I would have to tell him a lot, you know, you just deal with it. The first season of this is hard, like Buffy, the vampire slayer, for instance, the first season is very hard to get through, but if you power through that first season, which I don't like, it actually turns into something just phenomenal and wonderful as the show figured out what it was actually going to be. And it's one of my favorite things in the entire world. And I was talking to him about stuff like that. And I told him I wanted him to read the Twilight series with me. And that way we could complain about it. And like I said, he passed away in 2012. So this was was maybe a year before this, uh, before that, when Twilight was, you know, at its peak. And I was like, you need to finish all of these so that you and I can complain about them together so that we can make fun of this together. They are so bad. And he looked at me and he said, why would I do that to myself? 
myself? Why would I spend my time reading something that I know is terrible just for the fact that it is terrible when there's so much more out there that I could actually be enjoying with my time? And I was like, you know what? That's a very good point. It's kind of it, it, it really actually stuck with me on that because I'm like, yeah, you know what? Just reading something to make fun of it and just to, to see experience how terrible it is. Why not experience something for how wonderful it is at that point? And, and I think that's the kind of the way that that you're looking at this that I really need to push on past being the completionist. My time's worth more than that. Uh, that's kind of the way he was looking at it. That my his time may have been limited, and he. Knew it so he was going to get the most out of it that he could and that's you know honestly not to put too much of a dark slant on it or anything here but that's kind of the way we are our time is worth more than that i mean we could be working or spending time with our families or you know doing anything else if we're going to choose to do something we ought to make it wonderful you do you have to respect your free time because with the way that like internet culture is set up now you are never ever going to be able to consume everything it's just not possible. Never. So you have to prioritize the things that are going to make you happy. If you start watching a show and you realize that it's not good, you don't like it, even if it's supposed to get better, you have to be able to just say, okay, I'm done with that. And for a yeah. couple shows that I really wanted to like force myself through, a trick that I learned, <laughs> so Buffy, Buffy is one of them because I like Joss okay. Whedon. I like his work. Buffy was this cultural icon from the 90s that I had never really watched i think i'd watched a couple episodes here and there but i had never sat down and watched it the first season is right. not good and no the seasons after not. that are very very spotty they're very hit and miss so yep. for shows like that that i really really want to like and i just can't after a couple episodes what you should do go online search best episodes of whatever the show is yes get a best episodes list and and go grab like three or four different best episodes list find the ones that are a consensus across these different lists and watch those if those don't grab you then you know that the show is really not for you in any way and if those do grab yes. you then just watch the best episodes and then maybe like the season finales or the season openings and you will get basically the best experience from the show that you can that's what i did for buffy i watched every season open every season finale and then i watched the best episodes list i feel like i understand okay. buffy i got it i liked the episodes i watched i do not need to watch any of the rest yeah and for the best episodes thing i think that the, i took a class in uh on cult tv and uh, I, I took one PhD class and that was it on cult TV. It was fantastic. And that was actually how we did the classes was if you're doing if you're looking at, at TV shows with a, a critical eye and movies or any kind of media, you can't be afraid of spoilers. So your best episodes idea is is fantastic. You sample it, see what it's going to be, and then you can experience it as a whole. And the way that we watch TV in this class was he would show the pilot and then he would show the finale and clips from between. Uh, different episodes that, that really hit the high points. And I really feel like I've experienced these shows without having to watch the entire thing that I, the entire seasons or the entire series that I've watched. Uh, what is it? Life on Mars, the British version of Life on Mars. Don't watch the American. It's terrible. Uh, the British version, though, if you only watch the pilot and the finale, you get everything that you need to know about this show. And it made me cry. Those two episodes of that entire season or that entire 
entire series made me cry because I got to know the character as much as I needed to just from those two episodes by bookending it that way. That if you're the kind of person who doesn't have time to watch everything or deal with the uh, the the lulls and the troughs and the do it, bookend them. That's a fantastic idea and it definitely works because I've been there. Yeah, and those those episode lists online are a huge resource. It's super yeah. easy. Just Google, you know, best episodes of, and then whatever the show is. I did it for Buffy. I did it for Star Trek Enterprise. I did it for a couple mm. other shows, too, that I really wanted to, like, see the core of it. But yep. I started it from episode one, and I could just tell that, like, it wasn't clicking with me. That's that's what my wife did for Buffy, actually. When she was in college, one of her professors did a marathon night of highlight episodes, and she watched, I think, four or five episodes that were the best ones and then ended up going back and watching all seven seasons because she loved them so much and it was exactly what she wanted. And that's what got me through it is by her telling me that and having already seen it. I powered through the bad seasons and found the fantastic ones and just loved every pretty much every minute of it, including the bad ones and being able to go back and appreciate the really terrible ones because I like the rest of them. Yeah. And if you if you end up going back and liking the whole thing, that's great. And if not, I mean, I felt like I got the full experience from shows by just hitting the highlights. So that was another way to kind of like sample them and like power through. Um, The main thing was like, so sample all of these different lists, right? Especially your TV shows, especially your games. If you have a giant Steam catalog, like most people have these days, like sample everything and you can cut your list down by a ton, you know, like maybe 50%, maybe 75 like me. And then what you end up with are lists of things that you actually want to spend the time to get into all the way and complete. And once you get to that point, instead of having to waste your time at night trying to figure out what to do, all you have to do is figure out what kind of media consumption you want to do. Do you feel like it's a night you want to just sit down and read? Do you feel like it's a night where, you know, I could devote a couple hours to a movie? Do you want to make Mm -hmm. some progress on a TV show? Or do you want to sit down and play a game tonight? Or, you know, is it one of those nights where I have a lot of energy, I feel like being productive, I want to like get something productive done? That will let you know which one of your lists to click on. And then all you have to do is the top thing on that list. You don't have to think about it. Because usually at the end of the night, you can tell what you're in the mood for, even without knowing the exact kind of like show or whatever that you're going to consume you know if you're in a tv mode mood or if you're in a side project mood or if you're in a reading mood that part isn't hard to decide it's the next step after that that's hard once you have these lists you don't have to decide you just do the top thing on the list until it's done and then you check it off and i have one question about sub lists on this yeah Uh, it's pretty much the the last one i could think of doing that knowing what mood you're in let's look at games for instance yeah do you have any sub lists that separate out RPGs versus, you know, action twitchy games or anything like that. Some nights you want to experience a story and other times you want to blow people's faces off and uh, things like that. Do you ever go to the second one on your list if you're more in the mood for an action game than you are, say, a slow paced narrative adventure? Yeah, a lot of the time I'll just I'll look at what's near the top of the list. And if something is grabbing more my attention more than the other things, I'll just move it up. Like, I'm not afraid to bump Ah. things around, but at least it narrows it down to a few things and I have to pick one. Right. It's not like having your entire catalog to browse through. You're just looking at the top <laughs> few, you know? I get that. That's, pro- that's probably what will work well for me. It's like, oh, I have these three things. Like, oh, I'm in a Skyrim mood today or something like that. I'm, I'm not so in the mood for Hearthstone. Yeah. yeah, and like for games, I have all my board games and all my video games in there. So, you know, if I see a board game and I 
it's at the top of the list and I'm in a video game mood or I don't have anyone to play board games with that night, it's really easy to yeah. just look down the list a couple <laughs> to the next one. Rather than setting up a board game and just being sad sitting there alone, <laughs> like, I wish I had friends. Yeah, exactly. Well, I have solo games too. Those those are fine. True. But yeah, so that that's kind of like the basics of my system. So now I'm at the point where I can just click on the list of what do I feel like that night and I don't have to think about it. So after our comics episode the other week, I got a ton of comic <laughs> recommendations. I just started putting them into my reading list. And a lot of what I've done in the last week is click on that reading list at night, see what's at the top, pull it open on Marvel Unlimited and read through that run. And I'm going to be doing the same thing, except instead of using Wonderlist for this, I just open up our text message history and look at the screenshots that you've sent me of, <laughs> of, of what's awesome. Like, oh, I'm going to read that right now. And that's pretty much what's going to happen tonight. Yeah. And the main thing is I'm just a lot happier now. I can tell that when I'm having fun with the media that I want to engage with, I'm actually engaging with it with my full attention and I'm enjoying it. You know, I don't feel this big psychic weight anymore. And I didn't realize how bad it was until I got through most of this. And that's something that looking at our notes that we've made for this uh, said that, you know, that you're experiencing this in a way that you haven't since you were a kid. And honestly, I think it's because you're approaching this like an adult that that for me as a kid, it was so much of, oh, my oh my, everything is awesome and I love everything and we still love everything. But now we understand that loving everything doesn't mean we have to devote our lives to it. It means that we can devote an evening to it and that being responsible about it means that we can be even happier by looking at it and seeing what we're actually doing as opposed to just trying to experience everything all at once. And honestly, I think that, you know, for all of the days that you spend looking at mattresses and landscape design, you have evenings and, and days where all you want to do is go and read a Spider-Man comic. And that is the most the happiest you've been in months because it's just so, so fulfilling to experience that. And it's because of being able to organize it like this that you would have never been able to do or I wouldn't have been able to do when I was younger. Yes, exactly. And I I'm enjoying my media a lot more, and I especially feel like a kid again when there's a new thing coming out, and it's like it, we're almost there, right? And the hype is building. Yep. Because before I started doing this, I would see the new thing coming, and I would I would feel excitement for it, but I would also know that's one more thing in my backlog. That's one more yep. thing in this big unknown psychic pile of backlog weight. So it would be excited, but it would also be apprehensive and a little bit like, oh, there's another thing. Now I only have a few things like in my backlog at any time. Like my lists aren't that long. I've worked through them. So when there's a new shiny thing coming, I'm more excited than I've ever been. I was so excited for Star Wars this year like the movie coming out. <laughs> and you know, oh, yeah. Final Fantasy 15 is coming out later this year. I'm so excited for that. And I'm just like, I can let the hype build and I can actually yeah. really enjoy it right when it comes out because I don't have this big psychic weight anymore. Do you ever put anything like that? Like, let's say Final Fantasy 15, because this is something I can see myself doing. Do you ever put the new upcoming game at the top of your list and just let it sit there for whenever it comes out to keep reminding yourself that the day that this comes out, this is what's going to get my attention, you know, despite everything else? All the time. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Because I could see myself doing it, like looking at Kingdom Hearts 3 or anything like that when it comes out. Honestly, Star Wars Lego that's coming out this summer. Whatever else is going on, that's going to get my attention despite everything else. I'm just going to list it, be prepared for it, and when that when that hits, I'm just going to go with it. 
yeah, if it's months and months out and you're trying to do it for all of these games that are releasing this year, probably not a good idea. If there's one or two things you are super excited about, you know you're going to pick them up on day one and that's going to be your main thing. Yeah, absolutely. Put it at your list. Put it at the top. Get excited for it. Be prepared. It, I do that all the time. Yeah, that way just every time I open up, it's like, oh, yeah, I can't wait for that, as opposed to having the top 10 things be, you know, the next two years worth of games. Like, oh, I'm going to have to wait on all this. Okay, well, it's more of a comment than anything that uh, than a question about it. Just something I'm thinking about is my wife and I absorb most of our content together. Video games and books are one thing where, you know, those are personal. Those are what I do in my free time. But a lot of my free time is spent with her because we spend so much time together. Uh, Watching TV, for instance, and watching movies, it's really rare that I'll watch a season of TV alone and or any kind of movie uh, just because of the way our schedules line up. Have you ever done any kind of combined queue with your wife or with your kids to be able to be like, okay, we have family time, so this is how we're going to do it? Or is it more of a wing it kind of thing for you guys? So the short answer is no, I don't have like a combined list. But the real answer to your question, I think, is how do you manage doing different content when your spouse is into different things? Is that right? Uh, yeah, really. And yeah, pretty much because Jennifer and I line up. I mean, what one of us likes, there is there is a very small part of media that one of us likes that the other one doesn't. Uh, mo- it, it is negligible, honestly. But for people who don't line up like that and they have it, yeah, is there a way to do it where you can make sure you get together and spend that time together and do it? Yeah, so for you, it might be worth it to take a look at a combined queue for like shows and movies together, Mm -hmm. but for me and my wife, we have some shows that we really, really love together, and then we both have shows that we watch that the other person doesn't like. So her kind of default for, you know, she wants a show on while she's knitting, but she doesn't want to think too much about it. That for her would be like a reality TV. Like right now, I know she's working through Hell's Kitchen, a season of that. Okay. And I don't really do much reality TV. Um, For me, if I just kind of need something on while I'm doing other things to work through it, it would probably be some kind of sci-fi or superhero thing that doesn't engage my full attention. So lately for me, that's been Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It doesn't require my Mm. full attention. It's not fantastic, but I like it enough to keep watching it. And she's not into that at all. So a lot of the time what we do at night is that our living room is set up. So we have our main TV. We have, you know, a couch, uh, a chair, coffee table, end tables and stuff. And then I have my main gaming PC down there, too. And that's kind of like the media server for the whole house. So whatever we're doing at night, we settle in the living room. And typically we are consuming different media but we're still sitting there talking to each other. A lot of the time, we'll both be watching separate things. I'll have something on the TV, and I'll have my headphones in. She'll have something on her iPad. She'll have her headphones in. Right. But we actually have one headphone pulled out, and we're talking to each other the whole time. So okay. we're together while we're consuming different things. Or, you know, I'm sitting in the chair reading, and she has a headphone pulled out while she's watching something and knitting, and we're talking to each other the whole time. So it's still, we try to settle in the same place at night, so we're together, and yeah. we talk, because that's when we talk at night, when the kids are finally down. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, even having my gaming PC there is really important to me so that if I settle down to game at the PC for the night, I'm like feet away from my wife. You know, yeah, we're still talking. We're still interacting. And that's kind of the way that we end up doing it, too. It'll be we I, we call it garbage TV where we'll put on something like House Hunters or something like that that takes zero brain power. Sure. And then we just talk over it and watch or something like that. But we're just having a conversation during it or she'll have her laptop on her lap and I'll be on my phone, you know, 
reading a comic or something like that and then we'll just be talking the entire time or she comes and crashes in the floor of my office when I'm actually playing a game in here uh, on my computer or anything like that. So we do the same thing, just not on separate with headphones, basically. Yeah. So the important thing about it is that those shows that we really like together, we do not Mm -hmm. watch those without the other person. Like we will sit down and watch those together. So for us, it's things like right now we're watching Archer. Um, Game of Thrones is about to come back. Like I would not watch a Game of Thrones episode without her. That's like stabbing her in the back at this point. Okay. You know, like the shows we watch together are the shows we watch together. Like we don't watch those individually. Yeah, there there are a handful that we end up watching separately, but for the most part, it's it's together. So I completely understand. I really want to power through Daredevil, and I may end up powering through it and then going back and rewatching it with her because she said that was cool because it's taken longer to get through it. And I'm just hankering to watch it. Yeah, try. I would suggest like try it out. Don't be afraid to be on separate devices with one headphone in and one headphone off, like in the same room. It it works really well. That's a good idea. We may have to do that. So my main question for you, did I convince you to try my system? I'll probably try it. Yeah, I think I'm going to go through and organize my Steam library and get it down to to at least something manageable and try it for games first more than movies because I don't do a whole lot of TV watching that as much as I talk about it, it's spent with Jennifer doing stuff like that where we crash for like an hour and with summer break coming up, I spend so much time outside, but I'm probably going to I'm going to be doing this for reading and for video games where it's just I'm going to go through I'm going to add comics to my queue I'm going to add my books that I need to get through for my queue my audiobooks things like that and my side projects honestly uh, because I have a thousand different side projects at any given time that I want to devote my attention to and even blogging where I'm going to add my blogging back on there as the, especially as I have more time for podcasting and blogging okay I have an hour today let's see I'm going to write a post about running shoes or I'm going to promote the podcast uh, in a new place today or something like that and spend my time doing things like that where it may not be the exact ones that you do but it's a good system that I could uh, definitely do for games and reading and and by abundance of projects I never finish yep take it make it your own I expect to see lists and I expect to see updates I want to see how you absolutely will good I'm terrified of the list though I'm still scared of writing it all down but I will I will it helps once you get it all down you will feel better and it's weird but let me know let me know how it goes you two listeners if you do this or something similar let me know how it goes i'd be interested to hear how you modify it and how it works for other people and we want to see your list too you should send us uh, pictures of your lists as you write them down so that we can get recommendations from you as well that would be fantastic definitely do that so our weekly geekery for this week i'm bringing a book I've been reading. It's called Empires of Eve, A History of the Great Wars of Eve Online. So Eve Online is one of the games that I love to read about, and I always think I would like to play it. And every time I try to play it, I do not like playing it. But it's yes. amazing to read about. It has all of this like real world political intrigue for people and groups that are all playing on one massive server in this space game. But it's a game, but it's a sandbox but it also has crossover with real life. It's just, it's super fascinating to read about these big political maneuvers, these giant mm-hmm. wars that happen between thousands and thousands of actual players. So this book is the history of like all of the big political things that have happened in Eve from the day it came out until I think about 2009 or 2010. And wow. it was a journalist who played the game actually went back and started interviewing all the people involved with it and tried to record it as a historian would. 
it's super fascinating and i'm not done with it yet but i really like it i will be adding that to one of my lists to read because i every time i see one of the the real life spillover eve articles and all of the you know so and so crashed this bank or da 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 all of that i'm just drawn in because it's really like reading about a real life space opera and i'm just fascinated by it so i didn't know there was a book about it that is that is amazing it's really good and then my other it's not really geekery, but I need to recommend it. Since I told you about my system, um, I highly recommend Wonderlist. It's a really good, really lightweight to-do list software, basically. And I like Wonderlist because it's simple, but it also is available on basically every device. So you can have a list that syncs with everywhere you are. You know, I check it on my phone. I check it on my computer. I check it on my iPad. That's why I keep my lists in Wonderlist. So check out Wonderlist if you're going to do the system. I highly recommend it. And my weekly geekery this time is actually... Pokemon. Uh, I haven't played a Pokemon game since I was 15 years old, I think, um, when Blue came out to date myself a little bit. I have this week bought Pokemon Omega Ruby because my friends have been wanting to play it, and we've been battling each other and collecting Pokemon and trading, and it is phenomenal. Uh, If you haven't played a Pokemon game in a long time or ever, this really is the time to jump in. I am now in a completionist mood uh, where I want to see things and collect everything Uh, and the Pokemon game is fantastic on the 3DS so many quality of life changes have been put in over the last probably 20 you know what is it 18 years for me now almost 20 years um, that in that long the games have evolved so much where it's still the same base game but Omega Ruby is so much fun just to go around and honestly battle and collect Pokemon I cannot recommend it enough that if you haven't thought about Pokemon in a while Grab one of the new ones. I think you'll enjoy them because I am putting way more time into it than I thought I would be. Excellent. Yeah, I, I like the new Pokemon games too. Um, The Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire, and then also X and Y. Those are the other two modern ones. They're all good. Mm. Um, What do you got for a health hack this week? Okay, this week I've been thinking a lot about activity equivalent. What I mean is... I want you to stop thinking about calories. I want so many people who are trying to lose weight, who are trying to get in shape, think about calories and they get overwhelmed because you're going to look at, let's say I had someone mention a shot of whiskey. I was like, that's not worth the 70 to 100 calories. And like, well, that's not that much. And my response was, yeah, but that's like running a mile. Do you really want to run a mile for every shot that you take? And they just kind of looked at me funny. like, I didn't realize it was that much. So I want you to think about the base amount of calories for snacks that you have for extra stuff. You don't really want to do this for food that you're taking in every day. If you're eating breakfast, you're not really thinking about that because most people are going to burn 1,500 to 2,000 calories a day. And you're not going to go out and run 20 miles every day for that. I mean, your body's just using it. But if you're having a snack to be able to keep yourself in check, think about the activity equivalent. Is that donut worth running three and a half miles? Um, a good way to look at it is for every 100 calories that you are going to have to either walk or run a mile. It's a That's a very rough math. I mean, it, so many variables go into 
it. But if you keep it in mind that way, it really helps keep just the overabundance of snacking in check. It really just keeps me in check by thinking about, do I really want to put the effort in for this? And sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm like, yep, I'm going to run extra today. Sometimes I'm going to be walking around all afternoon and I want that corn dog. But other times it's like those two Hershey Kisses are not worth running a mile. It just kind of gets you uh, to have a baseline of, you know, how much activity is required to actually uh, keep keep the extra, keep the excess actually off of you. Think about the amount of work you have to put in for uh, the extra stuff that you eat. Cool. That's an interesting way to look at it. I think that's about it for this week. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, feedback. This episode came directly from feedback, so we do listen to you. Uh, our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com, or you can reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. Uh, and I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beege. That's Beege with two E's. And I blog sporadically at geekfitness.net and hopefully with Void's List more often now. We've been Void and Beege with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Geeks.